Wow, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Shoot the Defence on No Chofters. We decided to move it from one platform to the other. It's going to be the same quality, probably more piss takes, because there's a guy at the bottom whose team won the treble. We're going to go into that in just a moment. I'm still, I've got Saji Burton, Rodriguez, Steve here. I'm going to go one by one. Saj, how you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm all right. Just, uh, <laughs> actually, I didn't mention before, just recovering from a stress fracture. <laughs> so, some... I played a charity game for Palace Foundation and someone's two-footed me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't break my leg while playing fo proper football and then it happens in a charity game. Crazy, eh? What a start, mate. What a start. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, just for the benefit of our listeners, um, can you explain to them where you played before um, doing this with us? Yeah, so uh, I played for, started off at Crystal Palace, played a few games there. I uh, was doing quite well uh, under Terry Venables and then obviously this first time the club went into administration, moved on to a few different clubs, so Colchester, Port Vale, Peterborough, um, Shrewsbury uh, and Barnet. I suppose you could throw Sheffield United in there, but I didn't actually play for them. I was on a non-contract thing there and just a nightmare story. And played a bit of international football for St. Kitts, who are doing okay at the world. They're in the Gold Cup qualifications at the moment. So uh, that's my uh, football career. Who was the coach at Sheffield United? Adrian Heath. Oh, okay. Oh, former City man. Okay. Oh, what a mate. What a great guy he was, though. But uh, was signed, agreed a contract and stuff, and then was on the bench for two games. And then, because uh, I was signed on contract, was on the bench for two games, and he resigned straight after the game. So oh, that wow. just <laughs> killed me. That, it just sums up, that sums up my career, I think. But, who hey, who, who came in after him? Pardon? Who came in after him? Warnock. Ah, uh, Colin. Okay. Okay. Neil. Yes, Colin. Yeah, <laughs> Colin. Oh, whatever, his name is. whatever his name is, I don't know. Colin, <laughs> Colin. <laughs> it's an anagram for something else. Anyway. I'm not going to get. All right, okay. <laughs> oh, I'll just say if you if you rearrange the words, it's it's Colin Wanker. You rearrange the names of his, the word that letters of his name. It's Colin. Okay, Wanker. okay. That's why I call him. Anyway. anyway, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Rodri, how you doing, young man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. You've been really quiet on the WhatsApp lately. You could, you've been busy. Uh, no, yeah, I have been busy work. You know, busy work. Um, <laughs> busy work. Just football back now, pre-season. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're not going to talk about a team in green. We're not going to do that. It's not kind of show today. Steve, no, no, Celtic, Celtic, Celtic always do well, so yeah. Yes, yeah, Celtic. Yeah, got Brendan Rodgers as head coach now. He's gone back. Yeah, exactly, He's gone yeah. there for 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 manager therapy, as we as we used to call it. Remember this? The uh, Scottish Premier League we used to call it manager therapy. You know, rehab. <laughs> you go back to resurrect your career, and that's what they do. You know, so yeah, there you go, Mister Air. How are you? Good, Stell. Are you okay, mate? I'm good, mate. Has a hangover gone? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it comes back every weekend at the moment until uh, <laughs> un until we do it again. Yeah, you know, all the way into uh, the Charity Shield, the Super Cup, and then the the, uh, the start of the season again. We'll do it all again. It's, uh, I'm hoping this is a long angle. Yeah, mate. Do you know what? That feeling never wears off. I mean, Saj is an Arsenal fan, so he won't know. But you know, I, I would know. I would know. I'm, I've been Arsenal winners. fan since since eighteen yeah, well, I'm just saying about winning the treble, you wouldn't know about, you know, having that hangover, you know. I'd know about uh, Invincibles, though. 
Okay. Are we going to have this conversation now, yeah? <laughs> well, it's, certainly, it's certainly record that's not been beaten yet, so uh, I'll take that. The good okay. those Invincibles with those 12 draws. Doesn't matter. Doesn't really, matter. Really good. 12 draws and what, 38 wins? Yeah, but City got there 11 more. Go. City got 11 more. City got two defeats, but 11 more points. Yeah. So, okay. Ooh, is this, I, I didn't mean to do this so early, but hey, <laughs> I, I don't mind. I don't mind. Well, look, um, let's let's start with City, Steve. Uh, fantastic achievement, no doubt. And I'm not going to lie to you, mate. It, it didn't come as a surprise to me, in all fairness. You, you hear about teams challenging for trophies on all fronts, like we had Liverpool a few seasons ago, a couple of years ago, actually. And I, I didn't actually believe that they would do it. But then with City... Even when they lost to Brentford before the World Cup, I was saying to myself, this team are going to come back bigger and better. And I'll tell you what, there's always that January time where they kind of kick into gear and they just demolish everyone in front of them. But it, okay, it did come as a surprise at the end that they did win it because it hadn't been done for so long. But at the same time, they steamrolled everyone on the way towards it, mate. They did. Uh, uh, and I'd like to obviously share this with the lads because... You know, everybody watches them and admires them. Just because I, I love the club and support them and watch them, you know, doesn't mean that I've got an extra insight because, you know, everybody watches them and has an opinion on them. You know, they're nobody's secret. But obviously, it was a fantastic achievement. I think quite right. They will have been humble. Um, I think the supporters were nervous. But I think the ones who were in total control of it was the manager and the players because simply they've been better than every opponent this year. Um, obviously, what they did to Real Madrid, I think, set a warning uh, although it was late in the tournament, but it set a warning across the world what they were capable of. And if they were to get anywhere near that performance again, nobody would be able to live with them. Now, to be fair, that performance might be one of the greatest Champions League first half hours, first hours of all time. And it would be difficult to get to that point again. But I think it really was a uh, one across the bows for everybody else in terms of fear, you know, whether that be domestically in the Premier League or you know, to go to the next stage into the Champions League semi-final and final because what they did to Real Madrid was abuse. Pretty much, pretty much. And I look at City, not obviously the season gone, but the season before, there was genuine quality, but there was just a few tweaks from Guardiola. He let yeah. Zinchenko leave, he let Jesus leave, and he brought in Haaland and a couple others as well. And they just looked a completely different proposition, especially the back end of, of uh, the season. Well, yeah, uh, I think it's been spoken about now, but I think there was a Nottingham Forest uh, point given away where they drew, where they should have won, uh, where they were experimenting where, by trying to get extra you know, players into midfield. And they did it the other way around with Bernardo Silva going from midfield to left back. Uh, it shouldn't be forgotten they tried it with Zabaleta. They've tried it with Kyle Walker. Um, and before eventually John Stones, you know, took the baton and ran off with something that we've not seen it before in the domestic game of, of, of a defender going into midfield and actually ending up in the other team's box. So he'd been wanting to do it for a while. He'd just not found the right player to do it. Zinchenko had done a little bit. And obviously since Alexander-Arnold's done it for Liverpool and England, but John Stones has, has, has shown very quickly, you know, what a player and how you can, you know, move a team on in its development. And as you say, some players left the club, but all of a sudden, this this before I hand it over to the two lads, what I did find following the club is, obviously it's an amazing squad, but the 11 players all stayed fit 
and all managed to keep hold of their shirt with their performances. And for the first time for a, a long time or ever, you could actually predict City's team every time they were having a big game. The team picked itself, the team that started in the final, really, or in the FA Cup final against Manchester United. The lads had earned the right to keep getting picked. There was no rotation. There was no messing around. And I think that was unfortunate for four or five subs. But the 11 players just were brilliant every single week and the manager found the formula. That's right. And I think we have to mention a, a few players in City's uh, success. The, the first one, I'm not going to go with the obvious, but I'm going to go with Gundogan, who's since joined mm. Barcelona. Lads, what a player he's been for City. He He's the epitome of clutch, isn't he? Honestly, the goals that he scored at important times, not just the goals, but also his leadership and everything. He's been phenomenal since well, the past three or four seasons, for sure. Send it over to the lads. I, I love it. I, I love him. I'm sad that he's gone. Um, and he's a Premier League icon. And I think that he's admired by every single football supporter. They're the ones that you know are proper football legends. I think everybody knows he's a great pro, a great fella. He's had an injury that he's come back from. And I think everybody knows he is a top, top, top player. I'll hand it over to the lads. Oh yeah, no, I think he is a, he's a great player, as as has been stated before. I mean, uh, he, he does make such a difference when he's uh, playing, and obviously got all the skill sets as you know to to perform in midfield and score uh, excellent goals and vital goals, especially in the running uh, that he had. Yeah, it'd be diff difficult to replace um, obviously a captain figure. Um, but, you know, everyone wants to play for a big club and, and now he's doing that. <laughs> fucking hell, man. <laughs> he had to get in there. Had to get it in there, fucking hell. Um, well, let's talk about uh, Haaland then. No doubt he's <laughs> he's been an absolute phenomenon this season. I remember watching this, this clip of a podcast where I think this guy's on TalkSport now and he said at the beginning of the season, oh, Haaland won't be up there with Harry Kane and Salah and it's disrespectful to the institution to say that he's going to be the leading goal scorer. Well, the guy scored close to 60 goals this season. I mean, for fuck's sake, if, if there's ever a, a, you know, a piss take or, or you know, eat your words, that, that's it, isn't it? He's been unbelievable, hasn't he? It's just like uh, he's become the perfect team player in the end. He, he wanted to play the games. Um, he was starting, you know, games when you thought he would get rested. Uh, he was going full 90 minutes. And I think in the end, I think the centre-halves and managers of the other teams just became totally obsessed with him. And there were obviously some games towards the end where he wasn't scoring, but working hard and assisting as well. And I think that just allowed Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish and Gundogan, we have to say, for his the last 10 weeks of the season, it made them even better world-class players than they already are because of the uh, the prowess of Haaland, who was occupying two centre-backs at all times. And I think the rest of his teammates really enjoyed the uh, the field day of it all. Rod, what do you make of this, lad? Who? Haaland. Oh, yeah. He's only going to get better, but you know, now managers can prepare for him properly, have a little look at the tape and see what he's, what, what kind of... It's, it's difficult when, he, when he's that quick and that strong and that powerful. But um, yeah, he's he's only going to get better, uh, and, and and with the players around him, um, yeah, more more you play with with someone, the the more you learn the habits and, and the movements, and so 
Um, you know, with De Bruyne still there, Grealish, um, Foden will probably still be there. Um, Mares, yeah, he's 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 only gonna get better. It's just can he can he now sustain that quality that you know people are gonna expect it now from him. That's a different kind of pressure. So can he still withhold that pressure? I'm sure he can, but you know we'll have to wait and see. Sadly, yeah. must be a, a different. Yeah, no, I think Harlan's been fantastic for them. I mean, um, before if he was playing against City, they'd have to like the low block, wouldn't they, and just try and contain them. But now you've got the threat in behind with the pace and power of um uh, of Harlan and stuff now, and then as well as Steve stated, um, taking up two two defenders. Then you've got the quality around the pitch with the De Bruyne's and the Gundelans and uh, you know um, Jack Grealish to perform magic and you know go on the one-on-ones and stuff like that and, and score goals from distance as well as uh, take take the ball into the box and set up more chances. So he, he's been fantastic and a breath, breath, breath of fresh air, especially uh, for City. He's, you know, he's got a big prolific score in their, in their ranks now. And just what we touched on what Seth yeah. said before about the, the, playing the same players, you know, there were some big games there and Kyle Walker played in them big games and then the biggest game of all, he was left out and, um, yeah, it, it probably not, you can see it from outside, but inside that, that, that's got to hurt and it's got, a, it's got, a, um, it's got to cause some disruption because to play all them big games and to keep all them big players out, you know, Vinicius, Mbappe, whoever you, you come up against, he just cancelled them out and then to be in the big game and he gets left out to be put on the bench, that, that's got to hurt. For sure, for sure. But you know, I'll, I'll never forget watching uh, match of the day, beginning of the season. I think it was it was a fifth game in, and they beat Villa away from home. I think it was Villa away from home, and and Haaland had scored like nine goals in the first five games. And they're doing an analysis of him in terms of he was playing off the, off the defender's shoulder, and he was getting really frustrated because the ball wasn't put in in the right areas for him. And they were like, "Oh, we don't know how long this goal scoring run is going to take," and this and that. And everyone was, there were people out there actually doubting the lad. I couldn't could believe it. They were doubting him. And I'm thinking, all it's going to take is a couple more weeks for him to get properly settled and know exactly how he's going to play with his teammates and vice versa. And he's going to be a monster. I mean, that World Cup break was probably the best thing for him because he came back like a man possessed. Well, he's not, he's not the per type of person to be, to be going out or to be, he's going to be focused. Doing everything he needs to do to, to hit the ground running. And if you look at him, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a specimen. He's, he's massive. So he's got to have a look after himself. And I'm pretty sure, well, I know he does. So, and he's probably done a world of good. He's analysed some of the stuff that he needs to do. He's got, got better in training. Obviously, still stayed at home. He's stayed at City, still doing stuff with City. So, yeah, he's, he's just an ultra professional as well. And that's rare for being a kid of that young. But it's probably having a father that, he, that he's got. Uh, he's learned the ropes from him. So he's, he's got to step up there from anyone else who's a professional footballer as a dad. For sure. Well, one final thing on this season just gone. Uh, Steve, you coached a, a young lad who won the treble with City just now, obviously, and he's won several honours, and that's Phil Foden. You know, you must be dead proud having coached this lad at a young age, seeing him progress and develop and be this this uh, world-class athlete very much so very um totally but i speak on behalf of all the staff at that time 
um it was quite easy still you know we you know, got to be humble here you know he, he was always going to make it we committed to that when he was about nine um and it's not teaching him the game you have to give him some tactics and some encouragement but it's just about putting the right training sessions on to help the talent flourish really so there's no way really that the club really myself or any other staff taught him how to dribble or shoot or receive but you just constantly kept feeding it and feeding it through the training and and like making the, the the talent, you know, just get better at it. But he was always practicing on his own and with his little brother and his dad on the AstroTurf. He was always first there. He had a fantastic team of teammates, um, some of which have made it too. Um, and then obviously the best decision was him staying in the system, and not going out on loan. So the club at the professional stage have handled his contracts. They've handled the uh, development of not too many reserve games, not alone but eventually just going to go straight into the first team and stay there for possibly 15, 20 years because you couldn't imagine that he would go and play anywhere else. And might have given him some little bits of encouragement and tactical advice and support along the way. And there have been a lot of coaches been the same. If there was ever a certain footballer, I know they said it about Rodri's brother. I know they said it about Wayne Rooney, all different, or they're different shapes and sizes. I know they said it about Michael Owen. Um, but there, you know, every now and again, you get just an absolute amazing talent, and that was that was obvious at nine. And to see him now, oh, I can't hear you, Steve. You should be able to. Oh, there you are. There you go. Yeah, to think about what he's got in front of him now, moving forward, you know, he could break all records for silverware because he's that good. The team's that good, and however long the manager stays or whatever happens next. The club is likely to just keep getting better, so he could he could have the most trophies of all time. There you go, there you go. Well, before we move on to Sajid Marshall, there's a comment here. It's in Greek. Come to Napa, do a podcast at Nissi Beach. I think we should do that. Get on the plane, go to Napa, and do a podcast on the beach. I, I'm 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 up for that. I don't know if you are. I'm oh, bang up for that, definitely. How, how much how much do we get for expenses? Well, I don't know. You, you know, Theodore wants to pay for it. If he wants to pay for it, he could pay for it. We get a sponsor, yeah, get him to pay for us coming talk. out there, you know? Well, you got you got the, the airline connection, haven't you? So we can we can get that one sorted. For sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, I'm sure I'll get two fly to Cyprus somewhere. I think they do. I thought, yeah, they did. They did. They did. No, because I had a delay and I messaged you. No, that we had the problem at the airport and I messaged you about it. All right, yeah, of course you did. Yeah. And you, you're like, shall I call the CEO? I was like, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that deep, brother. <laughs> my, my daughter dropped her toy. <laughs> oh, my God. Saj, come on, let's talk about Arsenal, mate, because, you know, let's get it right. I, I didn't think you, you would have believed, having had the season you had the previous year, dropping out the top four, that you'd be challenging for the title. But let's get it right. Arteta has done a good job, I think. That being said, he's spent close to half a billion and, um, you know, finishing second, albeit behind Man City, is no disgrace. Is there more expected next season, surely? Uh, definitely. I mean, the the money that they spent was definitely needed. They need to get rid of a lot of the mentality, the, uh, the deadwood, the players who played just, you know, um, they... <sighs> God, I can't, I can't explain the mentality, but it's a, it a horrible mentality that they had within the club. And now uh, it's it's took a while to get rid of, um, it's changed the mentality and the culture within the club. Um, but now we're, we're moving in the right direction. Before the season, I did predict that we'd probably come, I believe that we'd finished third. 
a much better season than I believed that we'd have. Um, I think we probably the Saliba injury definitely had a big big impact uh, on our uh, on our season. I mean, he he was a stalwart. Um, in, if you relate that to Man City, if a Man City player came out, they'd have the same quality as coming in. But was having people like Rob Holding coming in, no disrespect, a good, solid professional, but obviously not on the level, same level as Saliba. Uh, and then just a loss of form towards the end of the season for quite a few players and probably a loss of, lot of, uh, a loss of belief as well. And obviously Man City putting pressure on them as well. That They'd never been in that position before. So, you know, you take that as a learning season and hopefully we can kick on and win silverware next season. Well, there's no doubt Jesus had a good season when he was fit. Uh, there's mm. no doubt that Trossard was an astute signing. You mentioned Saliba and his injury, but I think, you know, having Zinchenko there as this inverted left-back work to a certain point, but I just think it goes back to what you mentioned about the whole mentality. There are players at the club that are a little bit brittle in that mm. respect. And, you know, if Shaka leaves, you, you lose that, okay, that tough nut in, in the middle of the park. There's talks about Partey possibly leaving. And then you've got Saka, who's played... God knows how many games this season. You know, there's a risk Too of many. being burnt out. Yeah, there's a risk of him being burnt out. So, I think this is a very, very big summer for Arsenal. Very big indeed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, towards the end of the season, Saka's last five games, Saka looked burnt out. He looked didn't look anything like himself. But obviously, he came back for England and did fantastic. But we need they need to find a backup for um, Saka for sure. Um, relatively the same quality. Although I believe that. Um, uh, Jesus or Trossard could play on that side as well. Um, but they, they just need to do some rejigging within the squad and uh, balance a few books. I mean, they're, they're supposedly having the guy from Ajax come in, uh, Timber, Timber, who I believe right, kind right. of plays a bit like Zinchenko, which is a bit worrying if you've got both of them playing at the same time with the, you know, sticking stuff up on the back stick. They, they're going to be maybe a problem towards us defensively. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be good. It'd be fantastic if we get Rice in, but, you know, they're taking quite a bit of time and I think West Ham are probably trying to drive up the price as well, uh, trying to get other other clubs involved, i.e. Man City. Um, so, we'll see. And we've got Havertz coming in as well, which I believe may resurrect his career from his time at Chelsea. So, we've got there's a, there's a positive outlook for next season for sure. And I believe that we... we hoping that we should win something next season. So where does Havertz play then? Because I don't think even Chelsea knew his best position. <clears throat> well, I think the thing with the thing with Arteta is he knows his system and he knows the way he wants to play. He's got a definite profile of each position that he wants to play and the kind of player that he wants within the team. So in each, very rarely has he made a bad, bad transfer. So I believe in believe in his, uh, in his uh, transfer policy. And I believe Havertz, he's got all the qualities to do well. I mean, um, if, if you look at some of the stats, he's got the best, most runs into the box behind um, uh, Haaland. So, and that's the kind of player that we need as well. I believe that he probably sits in that Xhaka role where he's got a bit of freedom to move forward and get into the back stick where Xhaka was scoring goals with his head and he had the most fruitful season, uh, goal-scoring season at Arsenal and probably his best season. 
the, the thing is, mate, you mentioned Arteta's transfers, and I, I look at the ones that he's made, I wouldn't say recently, but, you know, 2021, 2022, you got Cedric Suarez, um, Runison, the goalkeeper, Pablo Murray, Nuno Tavares, uh, Lokonga. Th- th- there's been a few duds there. I, 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 think, th- I, I think that, that if you look at each year, I think the transfers at the time were to fill gaps more than anything. Right. So Suarez was to kind of play both fullbacks, but obviously didn't work out. Nuno Tavares kind of was okay, and then he's just, you know, totally gone off the rails and can't defend. Uh, so I think a lot of it was to fill gaps within a certain time period. So, you know, and Runison was, I think, the the goalkeeper coach recommended him, so they took him on his word. It's not much of a gamble for a million pounds, considering how big the club was. So... Not, not, I'm a, no, not that I'm an uh, Arteta defender, but I believe certain. I can see a process of each year of the transfer system and the reason why they brought in certain players. I believe. So, how many players do you think Arsenal need to keep up with City next season? Because obviously they've raised the bar now, haven't they? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's an in and out situation. It's about the players that they need to get out as well. So you know. For example, I'd probably sell Eddie Nketiah and keep Balogun and give him a season and see how he goes. Um, I'd get probably maybe get rid of Holden. Uh, Jack, as, as you said, is probably leaving. I think Partey is a good one to get rid of. Uh, I don't. I think he's a great player, but if you look at his age, he's got two years left. He's on quite a high wage. It's, this is probably the max that you're going to get uh, uh, transfer money that you'll get out of a club for him at this stage. And I believe, if, you know, if we get in the, the right profile of play, you could, like, could kind of cater for his loss. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, it's all about United. Um, if I'd have told you at the beginning of the season, you got two options. Okay, no, actually, let me, let me rephrase that question. If I'd have told you at the beginning of the season, which one would you be, which one would you be happy about? Which one would you be disappointed about? Finishing top four and winning the League Cup or knowing that you've won the League Cup, finished top four, lost in the FA Cup final and basically flopped big time against Sevilla in the quarterfinals. Was it quarterfinals? Quarterfinals, wasn't it? The uh, Europa League. Yeah, quarterfinals, yeah. Would you, would you have taken any... Obviously, you would have taken the top four and, and winning the Cup, but knowing being knocked out of the quarterfinals of the, of the Europa League in the wet manner that United were, and then obviously losing in the cup Nick, final. Would that be disappointing? Do you remember Ralph Ragnick last year? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, so of course. this year's been a, been a, been a plus, hasn't it? Well, yeah, we're, top four, we're, we're, definitely. We're, 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 after last year, it's a big turnaround. How strong City and Liverpool were. As long as they're there, competing, back in the Champions League and winning... United, I, I would content with that. No, I'm realistic. No, oh, we should be competing. That's it's, it's just jokers. So, yeah, it's just realistic. You know, we've won a cup, win the Champions League, progression. Now we need to better that next year. So, and it's going to be difficult, but you know that's what you have to do. It's Man United. We've got a lot of money to spend. They went some players coming in, some players going out, and then once the season starts, we'll see the lay of the land. If they haven't got a centre forward, then it's it's over. There's no chance. So they need to sort that out. 
Well, th- this is it. It's a very good point. And I think Ten Hag deserves a lot of praise given the resources that he had this season. And I'm not talking about the money that he spent, obviously, like on Anthony. But when, no disrespect, Wan-Bissaka hasn't been great the past few seasons, but he did well back into the season. Dallow was okay. But, you know, when you've got Martinez picking up an injury and you're having to rely on Lindelof or Maguire to come in and and to finish top four is, is good. Luke Shaw was, has had a good season, especially playing at centre-back, which, again, it was a revelation. Casemiro was a great signing. You know, Ericsson as well. But then you're looking at the likes of Sancho and Anthony, and you're thinking, what, what's well, going on with them? Well, season, and he did okay. He scored about 10 goals. So you get it, you're just looking at the price tag. But he's a young kid. He's got potential in. Sancho is a different story. Go on, sorry, mate. Yeah, and, and to get as far as they did without a recognised striker. You know, signing Veghorst was a bit of a strange one, but I, I guess that he did all right. I guess he did a job. What was expected from Ten Hag? I don't know. What, what was even expected? Well, for a centre forward to come in and to play for that Man United side and score what two goals, if that, yeah, yeah, there's nothing more okay. to say about it. So, again, same same question as with Saj. How many signings do United need to make to to challenge it or at least close the gap? It's a big gap. That for me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how many players need to sign? Well, how many players that, that are going to go out first? Is McTominay going? Is Maguire going? Alanga? Uh, are they going to get rid of Sancho, Marshall? So there's 120 million quid there at least with them five players. It, it depends. It depends whether they go to Saudi Arabia. You might get the full price for them. Yeah, but I'm talking, there's five or six players there. So I'm being conservative, like 25 million a player when there should be more. Marshall's more than 25 million. But Tom and yeah. 25 million. Uh, I, I, it's, not, it's not so much a transfer fee, it's more the wages that they're going to have to pay yeah, these know, players. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's the yeah, problem that Arsenal had getting rid of a lot of the players. It's, it's the, it's the well, wages. They're not going to get rid of them all, are they? So you just got to weigh up which ones can you get the most for or which ones do you want to get off your wage bill. You know, De Gea, what do they do that, with him? Did he sign, pay for a, a big transfer fee for a keeper or did they, they bite the bullet and have him for free but pay him a wage? So... But they need a centre-forward, no doubt. They need a centre-forward. By looking at the end of the season last year, even though Ericsson did well, he looked tired, he looked slow. Um, so you need someone with energy in there. That was probably amazing. That's when Mason Mount comes in, into play. Then he keep Fred. There's another player who we could get rid of. But again, it's the wage bill. So it's big decisions, but nothing's going on at the minute. So they, they need to hurry up. Because that's got to be a concern because centre forward is the main thing you need. Well, it's got to be a concern because you mentioned De Gea, and I, I personally I think they need to just let him go. You know, he's been a good servant to the club, but you know he's made too many mistakes recently. That you know, for my liking, anyway. You know, Phil Jones is off the wage book though. Uh, I guess that's a good thing. Phil Jones is 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 gone. You know, so there's there's a lot to do, a lot to do, and I think the other concern. Eric Bailly, is... Eric Bailly's got Bailly, there's a few. There's about ten or eleven that that, that could could go, but like I said, like Saj says, that the the wage wages that some of these kids are on, 
Don't think McTominay would be much of a problem because he was a he was a youth player and youth players tended not to get large wages. Mm. So, but Maguire probably went a big wage. But you know, there's a deal there to be done with with say West Ham with with Rice. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's lots of deals to be done with them that kind of players. If you could, you know, Brighton would 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 Maguire fit at Brighton? I don't know, but. Um, Send them, Send them all to Tottenham. Send them all to Tottenham. It's fine. Ange won't touch yeah. them. Yeah, won't they, touch are, they are probably Tottenham players. You know, mm. weak-minded Tottenham. Yeah, and you, what were you saying about a girl? I think it's a great point. I think goalkeeper is the most underrated position. You need someone solid and someone reliable. And I don't think he's a very one. What did he win the Golden Gloves last year for the most clean sheets? I think the, I think the problem is with with with, with too many errors. Yeah, the problem is with the game, yes, the errors, but it's the start of play how Ten Hag wants to play and he's terrible, he's passing. It's up there with Stezzi's, it's not the greatest. So... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, Stezzi's much better on being unkind. Um, no, yeah, his, his, his ball playing is, is terrible. So, And you look at the player with the... The, the black kid for which is the banana, one. Yeah. yeah. He's a great he, keeper, feet yeah, as well. And everything, yeah. He looks big, commanding, but his feet he can play. But, um, ultimately, you want to be able to keep him out of the net. So, but yeah, if it was me, I'd bite the bullet and get rid of him. The thing is, when you look at but then the again, current... you've got to pay 50 60 million quid for new keeper, so it's, no, it's a tough it's... one. It's, it's true, but the thing is, the other concern is how, and I'm going to take this to Steve now, how Man City are getting their business done straight away. They've gone right in. You know, they brought in um, Kovacic from uh, Chelsea, who I think is a very good replacement good for for um, Gundogan. No, you don't think? Gundogan? Kovacic never scores, rarely assists. And Gundogan's the captain who's just won the treble, who gets double figures and sets his teammates up for goals. Kovacic never scores or assists. I don't even. I'm hoping that Kovacic is going to be a replacement for one of the subs. You know, if if he's if he's a starter, that's not an improvement, in my the, opinion. The lad, the lad, what's his name that you got from Leeds? Calvin Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I. I, I, I as covered at the start of the show, I love I love Gundogan that much. If he can be half as good, that that'll do me. So, what I, player do you think could replace him then? Pardon. What player do you think could replace Gund- Gundogan? Phil Foden. See. Um, he's had injuries. He's had his okay. appendix out. He plays six positions for the club. He was a starter before Grealish. Grealish has took the wide left shirt mostly this season. Um, he, he's played there for England, and I think a left-footed left midfielder running into the box with and without the ball, like Gundogan. A different player, obviously, because Phil's a dribbler, often. Um, I think that might be the position that he takes up next season. I think the position of replacing Gundogan is already in the building. Mm. OK. So, there's talks of uh, Guardiol, the centre-back. Apparently, he's uh, agreed personal terms and they're looking at about £100 million for him, which... Whatever it's hundred million, you know, you pay for the player if you badly want him. Um, clearly, centre back is is an area that 
uh, Guardiola identifies as, a, as an area that needs to be, um, I don't know, filled or strengthened, so to speak. Is that because Laporte is going or is there a chance that Walker's going to go? I could see that. I could see that. And I'd just like to throw one at you all. Um, I could see Laporte going because his game time has become less. You could see Walker going because it'd be like a, a last lucrative move, possibly in his career. But he's been brilliant. He's been brilliant. For me, begrudgingly, I've said that Gary Neville has been the best right back in Premier League history. I used to think you'd be able to challenge that. But 20 minutes later, you were stuck with the same opinion. So he's always had my respect for that. But but Kyle Walker, for me, has been the best right back now in the Premier League for what he's won, what he's done. He's always available. He's so quick. Um, and the way Rodri mentioned it before, the way he snuffed out these big, big, so-called world-class opponents, 1v1, nobody gets the better of him. I think Walker's been the best right-back in Premier League history. So if he does leave, I wanted to give him that accolade. But the one I'm going to throw at you is for Declan Rice. If he is to come to City and for City to outbid Arsenal or, or Rice choose City above Arsenal, uh, he's a middle-of-the-pitch player. He's not as good as Rodri. He could be like Jordan Henderson, where you could play either side of centre, but you're not the same. And that's what Jordan Henderson is like for Liverpool. He's better when he's in the middle. Rice is not going to dislodge Rodri. There's no reason why they can't play together as two in the middle of the pitch occasionally. But I've always thought that Declan Rice, whilst not yet, will end up being a defender at the very best clubs, um, whoever takes him. I could see Declan Rice coming to City and over a period of time, ended up being a ball-playing centre-back. What playing? I think he, he could, he, he's probably the perfect player to do what John 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 Stones does. Then, well, there you go. That you, you, yeah, that's fine. Well, you'll have to do it well because John Stones has been incredible, and so has Alexander Arnold. For well, uh, they, they could have two there. One goal, yes, one stage. Yes, oh. yes. I could, I could see. I just don't. Does anybody disagree that Rodri is not the best centre midfield in the world? Does anybody want to disagree with that? Oh, if, he's been sensational. Absolutely so sensational. You, so how do you knock him out of the team? I mean, you can have the occasional rotation. You're not taking him out of the team. You're either playing alongside him or you're playing in a different position altogether because Rodri's the best centre midfielder in the world. So for me, if Rice comes to City, I'm not convinced he, he will, but if he does, he will get some games in the centre. He will play some games right and left like Jordan Henderson. I'm suggesting he'll also get some games in defence. I think Rodri is, is the best when it comes to arriving late on the edge of the box. Oh. He does it so well. So, so well. And and I mean, we saw with the goal in the final, but he, he does that a lot. And people talk about the goal in the final, but he's been doing it for years. Yes. <laughs> he's been doing that for years. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's the machine that they've become. Haaland is looking after two centre-halves. Gundogan's running into the box from left midfield. The opposition are dropping into the box and it allows that space on the edge of the box for pullbacks for players like him. Obviously, the goal area is busy with bodies, but you've got a chance of deflection or you've got a chance of your shot being blocked. But thankfully, the one in the final, he just side-footed it with a bit of curl into the perfect uh, bottom corner for the goal. But uh, yeah, just just you, you're not taking his shirt. Whoever comes as a centre midfield for City, you're not taking his shirt. You're playing somewhere else, in my opinion. For sure. For sure. Well, some transfers have been done. We know McAllister joined Liverpool from Brighton. Rodri, what do you make of this signing? Thirty-four million. It looks like a steal. Yeah, um, looked like it was already done by the end of the season. So 
he was crying at the last game of the season, so like it was done pretty early. Um, World Cup winner looks very good for for Brighton. Brighton were a, obviously a surprise package, you know. Everyone were probably expecting, like myself, when Potter left, but they did a dip, but they didn't they excel. They got better. Uh, the stats shown that, and um, yeah, there's a lot of players will be handpicked this summer still from Brighton because there's some very good players. Even you know when you watch Danny Welbeck. He, he was very impressive what he did for him. So, um, yeah, they'll be a good team and a good one to watch next year. And I don't expect that manager to stay there very long if they keep doing what they're doing. I tell you what, lads, you could actually see clubs coming in for both of the goalkeepers. You, and, you know, Jason Steele's been knocking around for a long, long time. But Sanchez was this brilliant goalkeeper. I mean, he was on loan at Rochdale, who have just gone out of the Football League. But they were saying Sanchez is this amazing athletic goalkeeper who's brilliant with his feet. And then he's eventually lost his place to the understudy, Steele, because he's even better with his feet. And they start it all off. So you can imagine both goalkeepers actually leaving because the game has changed that much and the demand is for uh, to be playing out from the back from the goalkeeper and to go back to him and to be drawing the opposition close to you to pick people out. This Jason Steele was as good as anybody in the Premier League at it. He really was. And I think, um, didn't Sanchez kick the hair out of the Spanish national team? Yes. Might be kicking out of United as well. There you go. Yeah. You could see both goalies going on as well because of that good with the feet. Yeah. Yeah. Casado. There's a few that could go. Minamoto. Minamoto. Yeah. Quite good. Got me a lot of FPL points last season. And here's another one. Who would you rather have, Lewis Dunk or Harry Maguire? I mean, Harry Maguire's awful. I mean, I was watching him. I was, uh, he's bad. I mean, I was watching him in the England game and he just slows down play all the time and he's just too slow and he's cumbersome, doesn't move the ball fast, gets caught a lot. The game's too quick for him. Why does he get keep getting picked for the national team? Why? So, his get-off is so sluggish. He looks so slow. Uh, Dunk is one of them geese once he gets going, he, he's pretty quick. So he's brilliant, he plays every minute. He's, he's brilliant, um, Dunk. Yeah, can play as well. Yeah, I was impressed with it. It, it was the other one as well. Is it Preston? Uh, there was another kid that, that, that when they played against us, I was really impressed with them. The, the way they play football, it was, it was a joy to watch. I want to quickly talk about Spurs. Sorry, Saj. Oh, um, no, no, I appreciate this, I love it. Well, look, they, they've, they've been a disaster the past three or four years. You know, they had Mourinho, Conte, proven winners. Pochettino obviously left and he went on to win one trophy with Paris Saint-Germain. He's got the Chelsea job. Don't ask. But they brought in uh, Ange Postacoglu from Celtic, which it was a bit of a, a tug of war because from what I heard originally from people that I know that were working on it, he didn't want to go to Spurs originally. He said apparently the only club that he was interested in was City to replace Guardiola. That's how high he, he rates himself. Okay, I, I, I give him that for being um, ambitious. But then he would only join Spurs if there were um, assurances. Now, obviously, he, he probably seems to have got his assurances now, whatever they are, because Levy is obviously a tough guy to deal with. But th- it, has it come as a surprise that he decided to leave Celtic after winning so many trophies in, in in that season and being guaranteed Champions League for next season? What do you lot make of it? 
uh, in Scotland, you've only got a shelf life, haven't you? Like, you can't stay there the whole, you know, long five years or whatever. If you win a couple of titles, you've got to move on and actually challenge yourself because there's only two teams up there. Moving to Tottenham, I believe they could be quite good, actually, because they've had the big names and stuff and assurances. And I think he may be there, not short term, but he may be there just to try and change the culture and get them into a work working a work a more workman like um team because they just they've they've been awful. <laughs> they're, they're, they're terrible. It's like the whole club just seems toxic from top to bottom. The way it's run, the 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 their transfer policy, the the way they do a lot of stuff is just terrible. I mean the only good thing about Tottenham is their stadium at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Steve, what do you make of the situation at Spurs? You know, Mourinho and Conte, two proven winners obviously very fiery characters. I wouldn't say that uh, Postacoglu has the same stubbornness as them, but it seems that everywhere he's gone, the players have loved him and he's got tunes out of many of them. And as we've seen with Spurs, I think there are a lot of players that have perhaps overstayed their welcome. How does he change the culture and how does he get rid of a lot of the deadwood? Because let's just get it right. There's a whole bag of it, man, honestly. Yeah, I don't expect him to, to be honest. Um, you know, he's in the big shark tank now. He's earned the right, uh, as Brendan Rodgers did when he came, left Celtic and, and, and chose to come into the Premier League before going back up there. But at the same time, you're dealing with the same players in the same squad. I don't know about the wriggle room for, for recruitment, but, you know, you can remove dust temporarily, but it always comes back and settles in the same place. Um, and you're dealing with the same players and the culture... I think is uh, embedded misery. Um, I think it's frustration. Harry Kane has just had an amazing season again. Um, but a, a lot of it is his own graft. You think that Son has had a lesser season this year. Um, and you struggle to find positives for them. And I do believe it'll be the same again. I'm not expecting any type of progress from them, despite the fact that the manager seems larger than life, likeable, and he'll come and change the culture. I don't think he could. I don't think he's got a magic wand. He'll have a good contract, but I think he'll have the same problems and the same miserable, the the, the same miserable outcome. I'd sorry. I'd say again, it's the same thing that Arteta walked into. The culture, the same kind of setup where the, everything was just toxic. It kind of changed it over, but it's going to take long term to 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 change to to reverse the trend. What what they have at the club, you're as right. Well as, you're right. Well as, it's going to take a long time. And should they should they improve after a long time? City have got even better. United exactly. and Hag have got even better. Chelsea are spending billions to get better. Arsenal are definitely going to get better. Liverpool are going to come again. So I think the gap will always be the same. Don't matter how good they come, the gap in front of them is too big. You're correct. You're correct in that. And you know, it's again, it starts from the top as well. Levy's just got quite a bad uh, reputation, has he, within the game? Well, I don't know within the game, but from the outside. outside. I apologise. I've not even mentioned Newcastle or Aston Villa there. <laughs> there you go. Good. Exactly. And you've got Newcastle being pumped with all the Saudi money as well. And they've, they've just reinvested as well with the guy from AC Milan, haven't they? The centre yeah. midfielder. Tonali, yeah. yeah. So, no, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see any type of bounce for Tottenham Hotspur just because... A manager's come from the smaller shark tank of Scottish football that's going to come and make Tottenham great. I don't see that. Mm. Tottenham are just like a lost cause, aren't they? They had the opportunity. They got to the Champions League final, 
win or lose, they need to strengthen then. They didn't do that and they've just got worse and worse and worse. I mean, they, they didn't make a transfer for a year and a half after the uh, European Championship, didn't they? After the Euro Finals or whatever. I mean, if, if you want to carry on building and build for success, that's what you need to do. Carry on transforming the squad and stuff like that. But you see a lot of the same players there, like Dyer's been there a very long time. The fans, you know. Davis. You know. Apparently, he's, he's going to be offered a new contract. But this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, you need to transform your squad. It, it's Dyer the man to do that. Now, you take Harry Kane out of that side and they're a mid-table side then. Yeah. I've not seen anything like that Tottenham away game at Newcastle last season. I've, I've not seen... Obviously, I'm a neutral supporter in that moment, but I've not seen anything as, like, weak and lacking character and uh, in, in Premier League history. I really haven't. And, it, and it's there. It's, it, it'll, it'll come It'll come again, unfortunately, if anyone is listening who's Tottenham. I see it. I mean, it's... Like it's, it's, 25 it's minutes. It's child abuse bringing your child up as a Tottenham supporter, isn't it? It's just on it. <laughs> it's child abuse, man. Because oh my God. I mean, you're building them, you're building them character for life and stuff. But you know, they're never going to win anything, are they? It's teaching them resilience to, to try and overcome adversity. The, the little train that could go. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's child abuse, man. I'm telling you. Might be an ammonia fact, Go on. No, we're all right for now. We're all right for now. Don't start. We're all right for now. Thank you very much. We're, we're in the Conference League. That's what matters. All right. You mentioned Harry Kane. I've I got to ask this question. Let, let's do a, a hands up. Is he staying at Spurs? Is he leaving? Hands up for staying. You think he's staying? Uh, yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to sell him. Who are they going to put there instead? Richarlison. I mean, he got more yellow cards than goals, didn't he? For taking his yeah. shirt off. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It just thumbs up the mentality of the club. I don't think... I mean, I think Levy will just keep him there and just let him go on a free rather than... Take, you know, how much does he want from now? 80 million, 100 million? Who's going to pay that? Man United. I think Man United probably pay 50 million for him, but... what? He's got he's got to literally force himself out and he's got to force his way out. I mean, he tried to last year, didn't he? But I, I can't. Oh, but literally, it. he's obviously didn't force his way. If you didn't force your way, you force me out. He obviously didn't do a good job. If you want to leave a club, you leave a club. He obviously, he obviously give in. If you're a player and you want to leave, then you're going to leave. He obviously was half hearted in, in his effort of leaving. It didn't work out. He's got no backbone, but if he wanted to leave, he'd leave. <laughs> um, the lad got 30 goals the last season in that team. Fucking hell. I mean, he's done fantastic oh, as well, but I, I can't see it. Would you think he'll go United then, guys? I've got a feeling, mate. I'm suspicious yeah. that Manchester United, Rodri mentioned it before, the only speculation is Mason Mount. They've put a bid in. Are they going to increase the bid? Are they going to do this? We all know that they're likely to, or if not, they're almost certain to. Why is there no links for the, you know, the, the great club, Manchester United, when everybody knows they need a centre forward, they can't possibly believe that Rashford is 46 games a season as a centre forward. Yet they're not being linked. I just think it could come from nowhere like the old days where all of a sudden United go bang. Sheringham. Sheringham and Berbatov. Yeah. Yeah. Not the old days. These glaciers are. Uh, uh, yeah. Why is there no. Rodri, why is there no link? For centre forward, I know there aren't that many centre forwards. They're becoming less and less. Oh, no, yeah, no. That's, Why is there I, not I, even I, a link? 
for a centre forward. You, you'd think there would be even just for season ticket sales or merch. You know, I don't know, but United desperately. Pre season started soon. Wouldn't you want to take that player pre season? Yeah. Why are you leaving again? I don't understand how you would like Mason Mount. I, I, I think United fans would like Mason Mount, but they don't need Mason Mount. They need a centre forward. Yet you never hear that they're in for one. Watch the space. Watch the space, I guess. Watch the space. Well, look, boys, there's one thing I want to touch on, and I'm sure we're going to be discussing this throughout the, you know, the next few weeks anyway. And this is what's going on in Saudi Arabia at the moment. So far, we saw Ronaldo go out there. We saw Benzema's gone out there. N'Golo Kante, Ruben Neves, Koulibaly's gone out there. There's Apparently, Neymar could be going out there. Ziyech is on his way. Mendy, Firmino, even Bernardo Silva's linked. So... It's quite scary to to think what could happen out there in terms of you know the, turning it into this this super league of players. But can it ever overtake the Premier League? Can it ever? No, no, no. I don't think so. They've not got the infrastructure there, but obviously they've got the finances and stuff. And I think it's more of a thing where players are going out there for their last big payoff or just to get out and just get a massive wage. To be honest. At, at the moment, which which I, happened which happened previously in China as well. But the, the difference is that the Chinese money ran out. I can't see the the Saudi money running out. The only thing is that's I th I believe that will keep the Premier League and all the other leagues alive. Our, our European competition, because no disrespect to that part of the world, but the the, the Asia Cup, you know, it's, it's not going to be like the Champions League. But if they make a Super League. In, in Europe, then it's going to completely change things. And then you're looking at MLS and they're throwing money at Messi, but they tried for years and years and years to compete with European football and they could never get it. And here come the Saudis and they're like, right, we want Wolf Zaha. Apparently he's linked. You've got Mares. Apparently he's linked. It's, it's ridiculous what they're doing, honestly. I'm, I've got no problem with it. Don't get me wrong. but And there's no FFP in that part of the world either. Do you want me to give you a manager link, Stel? Go on. Robbie Fowler. Yeah, you mentioned that the other day briefly, I think. Just just pointing it out there, mate, but we'll just leave it there for now. Robbie Fowler, because I heard that yeah. Stephen Gerrard. Stephen Gerrard, yeah, that's, yeah. I heard the Stephen Gerrard one as well. One Liverpool icon might might turn a job down there and one Liverpool icon might take one. Let's, let's just leave it at that for now. Well, I, I think, I think so. To uh, interject, I think the biggest uh, the biggest effect it could actually have on the English Premier League is where the Saudi clubs are buying the players, loaning them back to places such as uh, Newcastle, who've been linked with Nevis already. Oh, really? You know, so yeah, so basically by foregoing FFP, loaning them out to Saudi, getting a cheap getting a cheaper rate when they come back for the season. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so where's Silver going? It's just a rumour. It's just a rumour. But, you know, we saw the link with Chelsea, didn't we? We saw the link with Chelsea because I think they're, they're well, bankrolled they owners, by... Right? Yeah, they're, they're bankrolled by, by a Saudi organisation. And, you know, you're seeing a whole heap of Chelsea players. Because when you remember when they made all those signings in January and people were thinking, oh, why have they signed all of these players? Well, now nah, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, and they're going by... They're, they're, they're beating FFP by selling these players on for, for huge sums of money. It's incredible. 
I mean, this is the problem. Um, they, they keep on changing the rules for Chelsea because like, in the last transfer window, they said that you can't pay transfer fees off over such a long period from the... Um, was it Mudrich? They often think that's over eight years Mudrich, or something. Yeah. The, the Mudrich, uh, for a hundred... For, eight years or something like that, wasn't it, over the term of his contract. So they've limited it down to five. And now, you know, with um, ownership of other clubs and stuff, I mean, City do that, but obviously haven't got a club in Saudi Arabia where they can kind of forego the FFP rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a question here related to Premier League. How do Premier League teams end up with so many players on the sidelines in the long term? And I'm, I'm guessing he means through injuries. Um, I'm guessing it's it's load and volume in the amount of games. Is 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 that fair to say, or is just is there something else? It, it depends, mate. So some 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 years you could have some some one year you could have none, and, and next year you could have three or four long term injuries. It's just it's just potluck. It's just yeah. Yeah, it depends whether the impact or whether they're like uh, whether you've done them yourself, you know, without any contact, non contact or contact. You know, I think Arsenal had a lot of problems with injuries before and that had to do with the training pitch and how hard it was or whatever. But, you know, there's, there's lots of different factors that, that can uh, that, that can uh, come into play with that, uh, with injuries. I'm guessing the World Cup had something to do with it as well, with the amount of games that players play, especially domestically. And then you've got the internationals and Nations League and friendlies and Euro qualifiers and all that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying... I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yes, yeah, it's so difficult. The most difficult. Playing an extra 10 games a season. <laughs> you know. Anyway, I mean, United are getting rid of players that have been Okay. You mean United are now getting rid of players that have been there for years that never really played? So, like Phil Jones, for example. Okay. Um, well, just not good enough. They're just not good enough, or they've done things to upset the. The coaching staff, or they don't work hard enough. Bad business as well. These players are, are on big wages, and they're not good enough to be on these wages. So no one wants to buy them and take that wage on. Mm. I mean, I just heard that um, that Chelsea signing someone from is that that Jackson guy? Jackson, eight eight year deal, striker, eight year contract supposedly. I mean, imagine you he don't do what after two seasons. You got to pay him off for six years. Mm. They do. They do this in America, you know. These these these, these high cut uh, these long contracts. Yeah. Out the, the the money that they give them. It's mad. Yeah. It yeah. looks like a big big money, but ultimately it's not because they're only paying it yearly. But you've still got the wages there, and it depends, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, but at the at the time you think, wow, it's going to oh, be it, for that. Yeah. Much, but it's not. They've only paid. 12 million, they're going to pay another 12 million, another, or yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot, as you said, it's a lot different in America where they get their guaranteed wages, and then a lot of the stuff is built up on bonuses as well, aren't they? As well, in the NBA and the NFL and stuff. Yeah. There you go. Right, boys, I think we're done. We've done almost literally 30 seconds away from an hour. Thank you for joining us. Um, hopefully, we'll do this again next week. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I've put all these socials and all the stuff in the description, so everyone that's watching, especially if it's on repeat, leave a comment in the description down below, and we'll be back very, very soon. Until take care. Until take care. Until 
next time take it. I can't even get my words out. See, I've been doing a podcast with, with Greek people for so long. My my English has been been reduced to anyway, it doesn't matter. Fuck it. 